0: Know if Minnesotans are intrigued by the Diamondbacks against the Rangers in the World Series? I will tell you this, Lavelle. To me, looking at it through the Twins prism, tells me the Twins are not that far away from being able to make that kind of a run. Let's get into that with Lavelle E. Neal III, Star Tribune columnist. I'm Jim Suhan, also from the Star Tribune. Brandon Morton's our producer. This is Chin Music, our baseball show at TalkNorth.com. Roy is on a junket this week. I think celebrating. uh, uh, the USC baseball championship team he played on. So it'll be me and Lavelle this week. We'll get back to Roy next week. Uh, we appreciate everybody's come out to our live shows. Everybody who supported the show. It's grown a lot, especially in the last couple of years. I think it's going to grow more as the twins continue to put themselves in contention. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studios. Thanks also to All Energy Solar. If you like the show or any show at talktork.com, please subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. Uh, check out uh, our two Viking shows, our many hockey shows, John Krasinski on the Wolves, John Malay on preps, uh, Jeff Diamond on the Vikings. Uh, and I, I love this show. Uh, so so continue to if you like this show, continue to listen as the Viking as the twins make news throughout the winter. All right, Lavelle, what do you think of my theory? Are the twins far away?
1: I don't think they're that far away, to be honest with you. Um- it, the one thing that look uh, observing the playoffs, the one thing that jumped out to me is that it, it legitimizes the fact that Pablo Lopez and Sonny Gray matchup as a one-two starter were good, good as any top two starters on any team in the postseason roster. I think um, those guys could have pitched with anybody. Um, I have been impressed with uh, the Diamondbacks because I didn't know much about. Uh, well, I knew Zach Gallon because the twins were in Miami the day that Gallon got traded to uh, the Diamondbacks for the Marlins. Uh, Merrill Kelly is outstanding. And uh, they got a kid named – I can't pronounce his last name. Fat? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I yep. Yep. Yeah, uh, that uh, no one knew about. So, and to me, that's like similar to like having a, like a Louis Varlin as a three or a Joe Ryan as a three. So, I i just think from a pitcher standpoint, they, they were um, – the, the twins would have been able to, to uh, compete with all these teams uh, offensively was going to be the issue. And then I, here's my crazy thing, Jim. I think the twins were trying to play a little bit like Arizona uh, toward the end of the season as Rocco was trying to use the bunt more and let his guys steal bases who could steal and try to scratch and sniff for runs um, because that's, it, it wasn't total chaos that, that uh, the, the Diamondbacks clearly have embraced. But it was mini chaos. So uh, the evolution of the offense is going to be fascinating over the next couple of years as they try to take take advantage of a really good pitching staff.
0: No doubt. And I really think, looking back at this postseason, if Sonny Gray comes out and pitches well in game three, the Twins might have won that series. And if they won that series, they might have had a shot against the Rangers. Uh, I just thought that as good as Sonny Gray was all year, the fact that, he didn't give him a real chance in game three. I think killed him. I
1: agree. The, the one tough cookie for um the, the twins against the Rangers would would have been Jordan Montgomery. Yeah. Who I, I think is a great I think his stuff is nasty. And I think he's a free agent, too. Um uh that would have been a tough matchup for them. Uh I'm not that impressed with the bullpen all the way down to Leclerc. A, Aroldis a Chapman, it hasn't happened yet. It's going to happen he is, he is known for giving up big home runs big moments i it's got to happen here cuz that's what his his history says it's uh, there's going to be a screw up here sooner than later but i thought uh looking at uh, paper if the, tw- the twins could you know keep up with the rangers offense uh enough uh, when they played him earlier this year um I think it was Jonah Heim was not in the lineup. You know, they weren't 100%. it Twins calm at the right time. The Twins were 8-2 against Arizona and Texas, by the way. Yep. They swept yep. Arizona during the regular season. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is just crazy. But um, it would have been a real interesting series, I think, uh, if the teams would have met. I agree. Uh we are get. Go ahead. But I would say it just shows the Twins were far off. Even, you know, you know, they get knocked for winning a division that's considered like the weakest in baseball, but they really weren't far off from these other teams. And that's something that uh, the Twins should remember as they go through their off uh roster building.
0: No doubt. We're going to get some newsy developments that Lavelle's been working on here. Thad Levine, Byron Buxton, talk more about Rocco. I'll just say this, Lavelle. The whole storyline about there was some shame in winning a bad division. It was the dumbest storyline I've ever heard. Um, again, and I'll say it one more time. I promise never say it again after I say it this time. The 87 Twins, the hero, heroes who broke the championship drought, who are celebrated as the, the, you know, the ultimate heroes in Twin City sports, They won 85 games. They won a terrible division. In a normal year, they would not have made the playoffs. And then they won the World Series and became heroes. There's no shame in winning a bad division. Uh, And there's no shame in winning 86 games or 87 whatever, and winning a bad division. There's none. It it doesn't matter. Just get in.
1: Hey, here's the thing, too. That 87 team, they played, I think they were four games below 500 in the second half of the season. Yeah, Um, they almost choked it away. Yeah. Uh, Here's it. The thing about that team was remarkable was like how great they were at home, at home and they were terrible on the road. They were they could they could do anything right. And talking to Ken Herbick, there was one late season series in Detroit and they brought pictures from their uh MetroDome clubhouse <laughs> to hang them up in the visitors clubhouse in Detroit just to make it feel like it was like their their uh their 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 home and they still lost the series. And Herbic's like, man, we tried everything that year. <laughs> they just, it just, just, but they had a personality. If you tried to play them in, in the dome, uh, in that roof with that roof, sight lines, AstroTurf, crowd screaming down your, your throat. It was a
0: huge advantage and there's nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. And I thought that the uh, twins fans, uh, during this postseason, especially during the, uh, J series made a huge difference and, we should all kind of aspire to that being the atmosphere from now on because that was an absolute blast for everyone. All right, let's get to some news here. Uh, This sounds like Thad Levine is out of the running in Boston. Uh, I like that. I think he's a really smart guy. I would have liked to see him get it. What have you, what did you hear about that process? Yeah. Well um, you know, here's the thing, Jim, the last few years, because remember that used to,
1: that used to be quoted a lot in uh, in, uh, in the local papers and on TV But the last few years, um, there was a desire to just have one voice come out of the baseball operations department and that moved toward Derek as being that one voice. And I don't know if if dad felt like he was marginalized, you know, because I talked to him after he flirted with the Phillies in 2018, I want to say. And he was like, we love it here. You know, my kids loved going to school here. We're entrenched here. I mean, he was like, I just didn't want to move at the time. You know, but things change over a number of years. And I think the combination of maybe uh a little bit of wanderlust plus the fact, you know, you know he I don't want to say he was marginalized, but you know, um his voice wasn't heard as much. Maybe he decided that this is a good time for him to look into running his own shop and uh, and he looked into that into that Boston setup. And that's that's a tricky one to go into uh in Boston. That's because of the media attention and the fans. It just seems like Uh, The last few, whoever is not named Theo Epstein's had trouble trying to gain traction there. So that would have been quite a challenge. But the uh, Red Sox decided to go in another direction. And it looks like they're going to go in the direction of the smartest man in baseball, Craig Breslow, former (laughs) Twins, who who, who we covered. (laughs) And and we we knew then that he was was a really sharp guy. He probably was going to be in baseball operations somewhere. And I'm not surprised that he's closing another Red Sox gig.
0: As for that, um, you know, it's possible that he would be looking for another job, you know, for some internal reason here. I would just say that, I mean, the Red Sox want to interview you. you can't, unless you're Derek Falvey and you already have, you know, you already have all the power influence. You've built up a strong uh, franchise. You're responsible for it. Your, your name's all over it and you've got a chance to win big. I mean, I, I, you know, first of all, I, I applaud Derek for not getting just an ego interview and getting his, you know, he just obviously had no interest in having his name out there or being celebrated by the East Coast media as the next genius who might come in. He could have played that game and he didn't, which I appreciate. Uh, but that there doesn't have to be anything wrong with Thad's current role for him to want to interview for the Red Sox job. I mean, it is an immense job. And, you know, I, I, I haven't talked to Thad much lately. Um, my sense from being around people in the organization is that he's a pretty happy guy, you know, and that I think he likes it here. Um, Doesn't mean he's not never going to leave. I'm sure he's an ambitious guy who wants to run his own shop someday, but I do, I have heard many times that he likes it here and he's got uh, a controllable enough ego to not go for a job just to have the title. Uh, Yep. At the same same time, Jim, the fact that
1: he, did go interview with the Red Sox. That's gonna send up a, a yeah. I wanna I wanna say an alarm, but it's gonna alert other teams who may be considering similar moves. That hey, if that's if that's looking around, we want to talk to Thad. Right. So uh, I I think that opens the door to potentially more opportunities for him. And like I say, you know, he may be at the he may be at the point his career. Going, you know what? I'm happy here in Minnesota. I'm I love it here. Uh, my kids like going to school here. I could put up with the winners here, you know, but at the same time, I want to I want to make sure I I'm totally happy and make sure, you know, I'm not missing out on something that's elsewhere. So he's keeping his options open. It's, what, what's the phrase? Uh, always willing to have a conversation, you know, yeah. that's. That's where and, he's at, and right he's gonna. Now, he is
0: gonna yeah. want to. He is gonna want to run his own shop someday. Uh, whether yeah. it's this year or three years from now, he is gonna want to run his own shop, and there doesn't have to be any negative attached to his time in Minnesota for him to want to go do that. I mean, it's it's just it's gonna happen. Uh, and he's a smart guy. He's well connected. He's well respected throughout the industry. Uh, people here love him. He's gonna get a shot eventually. The question is, what's the right time and place for him? Correct. Again. All right, let's let's uh, let's get to uh, Byron Buxton next. Uh, we do want to let you know we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. Thanks to Aquarius Home Services. And thanks also to All Energy Solar, allenergysolar.com. All Energy Solar panel installations are done right and made easy thanks to more than 14 years of experience in Minnesota and beyond. All Energy Solar is ready to take any solar project from design to installation and everything in between. That's whether you're thinking about home business, or both. Find out more about going solar at allenergysolar.com slash coach, or just go to allenergysolar.com and learn everything you need to know about solar, which is where we're all headed. Uh, at least we should be. Uh, thanks also to a couple of the, the places that have uh, you know, sponsored and put on our live shows lately, thanks to Belt uh, thanks to Glicks downtown, my band's playing there. December second, by the way, it's going to be a birthday party for Don Mitchell and Jerry Holt. Come out and join us; that's going to be a blast. Um, and uh, thanks to Tuttle's, which uh, and Headflyer Brewing, which put on some of our other live shows across the network. Also, check out Don Mitchell's new show. Her guest this week was Laura Oakman. We've had on, uh, we've had on Jim Cott, Chad Greenway. Uh, Mike Tirico, Mark Rosen. It's, it's been a fun new show to start out, uh, t- to get going on the network. Check that out as well. And hey, just thanks to everyone who listens to this show and the network. We really do appreciate it. All right, what are you hearing on Byron Buxton, Lavelle? Well, yeah, I was
1: able to communicate with his camp uh, uh, last week, and I wrote a comment about it for Sunday. But apparently there's already instant returns on his the surgery he had to, uh, to clean up the the knee um and I checked with two different sources on this and apparently there was just scarring from the previous surgery last year. That was really um, limiting him. And apparently after doing some research and asking around um, where the scar tissue built up at made it even hard for him to stand in the outfield. So that, that probably explains why he had to come out of the game of when he was playing for the saints late in the season, when he made that uh, push to try to be on the playoff roster here. Uh, but uh, Buck has told some people who told me that his knee feels better than it did all last uh, all this past season. So that is a, a positive development. Um, the next step for Buxton is to come here in late November for a checkup post-surgery checkup. Um, the twins want to look at his knee. They want him to do a workout for them. And if all goes well, he's going to be clear to, Resume baseball activities and then go into the off season with the idea of being prepared or getting prepared for uh, spring training next year, which uh, is an encouraging sign here, uh, uh, especially for a guy who could not get to play any outfield last year and felt like he was half a player because of it. And the twins were uh, the twins suffered because of it. So uh, the fact that, you know, a week or two outside of surgery, he's already feeling better. Uh, sounds like it's a positive development.
0: It does. Uh, let's go back to the Rangers. Thad Levine worked there for a long time. I used to live across the street from the old ballpark, uh, Arlington stadium and walk over and catch the last. I was when you I was did? young. and Yeah. Uh, when I, you know, I, I kind of got my career going covering high school sports for the Dallas morning news. Um, and, and before that, just typing in box scores for the Fort Worth star telegram. And we, we were broke and we lived in an apartment, uh, Basically, kind of right across the street from Arlington Stadium, whatever they call the crappy little ballpark they used to play in, which was basically a triple A stadium. And uh, nice size rats, though, they did grow rats very well back then. And I would, you know, I couldn't really afford tickets. And so, what I would do is I would be at home and I was kind of a night owl and I would go over in the seventh inning when they just opened the turnstiles and let people walk in for free. And I'd go in and go sit in the bleachers and just watch the last few innings of baseball for free because I love baseball. And I, I always remember so often back then, midsummer night, uh, I would walk into the seventh inning. I'd go sit in the bleachers. I'd look up and they had a temperature gauge. It was usually just ticking from 100 to
1: 99. Oh, God. That sounds right. That sounds right, man. Oh boy, it gets hot down there for games. No kidding. Hey, so you, was,
0: walked out, you walked out to that amusement park then? The yeah, I I wasn't a big Six Flags guy. There's Six Flags uh, amusement park right there. I wasn't a big. Guy. I went there like one. I took my kids a couple times, but I just I'm, I just don't like amusement parks. So and I was also broke, and it was expensive, so we just didn't go very often. Um, but my big my big picture question about the Rangers is, you know, it always felt like a downtrodden, hopeless franchise. Uh, they made a nice run back when, you know, Thad was involved. And here they are back in the World Series again. How did they do it this time? How how did they build a team that was capable of this?
1: Well, um, they had to get the pitches straightened out. And uh, Adam, uh, Adam Montgomery uh, definitely helped. Uh, they traded for Scherzer. Um, they, uh, Dane Dunning, they got from the White Sox. Um, they made a lot of moves that uh, gave them, like, some capable of pitching. But, you know the thing is the the rangers have gone through cycles like this when they've not been afraid to spend money to uh to try to put a, uh, a winning team on the field going back to when they signed a uh as a free agent to a 252 million dollar contract which at the time was uh worth more than the entire twins franchise uh, but um they they um they added uh Corey Seager which was a big addition for them uh they made a smart move to get Mitch Garver uh, who's helped him out? But the thing is, they've had a combination of, you know, it's been—I think it's been a holistic approach. It's not just been free agency. It's been a couple of trades and and and, um, and some drafting. Jonah Heim, you know, is a hell of a player. Um, they've added a couple other uh, <coughs> uh, guys, uh, players. They've they added through the draft or signed. But you know, picking up Adolis Garcia—I I, I think it was a waiver claim from the from the Cardinals. You know, stuff like that. He's that guy's a superstar now. Uh, it's ridiculous. They've been able to, you know, put this team together from different uh, avenues, and then, yep, they spend a little to bring in some studs, but they also, you know, had some moves to, to pan out. You know, you know, getting like a Dolos Garcia Garcia, like the twins. You know, getting Johan Santana. It's just one of those deals where it ends up being way more than you you're, you can imagine it happen. So uh, it's been it's been rather fascinating how they built this team. Yeah, no
0: doubt about it. All right, let's go back to something you said about Rocco. I, you know, when this team was underachieving midseason, uh, and of course over the last couple of years where they just weren't very good, you know, the baseball manager is always the easiest scapegoat in sports. Uh, and it's funny because the baseball manager doesn't put the roster together. He contributes, he offers his opinions, but doesn't put together the roster, can't control injuries, can't control individual performances much. Um you know, generally they're kind of in, in, they're kind of in charge of in-game decisions and clubhouse atmosphere. Right. Uh, And Rocco just took a beating when this team was struggling this year. I thought he had his best year as a manager overall, um, helping guide them out of the, the, the struggles, um, platooning people in a way that we would not have thought would have been as productive as it ended up being, um, you know, using his bench incredibly well. And I thought, uh, he had a great year in terms of steals and bunts, calling them at the right time, using the right people in the right way, and diversifying the offense with those things. Well, I
1: mean, you look at how what the, how the team evolved from the beginning of the year to the, to the end of the, to, the, to the final out of the season shows you uh, the work that Rocco did. Um, I think he saw what it was like where when he was handcuffed. I mean, don't forget, you know, in, in April or May. Uh, who was his off, who was his leadoff hitter? Who was his number three hitter? Who was his cleanup hitter? He didn't know, and he could not put together a lineup because Buxton was struggling at DH and Crea was struggling to hit a shortstop, and had they had injuries, some other situations. But once Royce Lewis uh, was called up and was able to stay healthy and get in the lineup, you know things start things change. He was able to craft a lineup. But Julian gave him a leadoff hitter, Walner gave him a power guy. You know, and I think stuff that went on during the first half of the season, you know, forced Rocco to see how okay, how can I get runs out of this lineup? Well, it looks like Willie Harris can still—I'm sorry, Willie Castro can steal some bases. Um, let's let's try that. Um, let's try to move some runners around. Uh, you're right; he diversified the office as the season went along because he had to, and because he had to, he probably discovered, um, you know, how he can put together. Uh, an effective offense with whatever he has to play with. I just think he didn't have a lot of tools at the beginning of the year. And when he got a few tools, he made the most of them. And I'm gonna say once again, a good pitching staff covers over a lot of weaknesses. It makes a manager look good when you could just have a guy go out there and make you not say a word for six innings. You know, and uh, when you have Pablo Lopez and Sonny Gray uh, and Bailey Ober and Joe Ryan, those guys pitching as well as they did the first half of the season, uh, you know. Stop me from making decisions. I don't have to make decisions for six innings now because of you guys. That makes that makes a manager look a lot smarter.
0: Yep. I also think if you and I were with a bunch of people in spring training and I said, Okay, I know I don't know what the result of the season is going to be, but I know some things are gonna happen. Byron Buxton is not gonna play center field at all, and he's not gonna hit either, and he's not gonna be available to him for large stretches. And Carlos Correa, who you just signed for $8 billion, is going to have one of his worst offensive seasons and deal with plantar fasciitis. And you're going to cycle through eighth inning guys because Jorge Lopez is not going to keep the job. If I told you that in spring training, I doubt you would have said, oh, they're going to win the division. Oh, I would have said they would have finished under 500.
1: Right. Uh, based on everything you just laid out to me, um, you're, you're saying the, the, main, main guy, the main setup guy guy's gone. Uh, Pagan was coming off a shaky season, so fan, fans are already mad at him. Uh, Buxton and Correa not hitting. You uh, <laughs> didn't mention the fact. Oh, Max Kepler's going to have like the worst first half of his career, right? You know, I mean, you, you look at all that, and it, it was just it, it would be hard. It would have been hard to see that team winning. Uh, um, so, you know, it was uh, Gary had that sign over his office: "Improvise and overcome." Mm-hmm. And I think Rockwood did a hell of a job of doing that during the regular season.
0: No doubt. Hey, good stuff, Lavelle. Thanks for the reporting and the conversation. Thanks again to our producer, Brandon Morton. Thanks again to Aquarius Home Services and All Energy Solar, allenergysolar.com. We'll be back next week. Uh, hope to be rejoined by Roy, and we'll get into, into some more twins possibilities and talk about the World Series.